Welcome to the Anomalous Fascination Podcast. Anomalous, defined as deviating from what is standard, normal, or expected. Fascination, defined as the state of having one's attention and interest drawn irresistibly to something. So I guess one could say, when the mysteries of the universe show up in day-to-day life, they have my complete and undivided attention. The unknown has always fascinated me, that feeling of mystery and excitement at the thought of something being so mysterious that even the greatest minds of the world cannot answer it with any certainty. To me, it's like the moment when a child sees something awe-inspiring for the first time in their lives, as they stand there mouth agape and say, whoa. So come along with me to explore the unknown, the mysteries of space, the paranormal, alternative medicines, historical events, natural landmarks, and really anything that leaves our brains begging for more. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode one of the Anomalous Fascination Podcast. The show truly is a labor of love for me, to the point where I was sitting here with the information I had and so desperately needed to share it with someone that I had to tell my parents about it. Now, finally, I get to share it with you. Have you ever been asked to watch or guard something for an extended period of time? Like, can you watch my purse or make sure no one comes into the room? It's funny because we do the task knowing that it is important for us to watch. But we never truly expect to have to take any further action than that. What are the odds, you think, that in these 10 minutes, something is going to happen? Now imagine that watching that thing is your job and you've spent most of your life studying and training to do it. And you have to analyze something every few minutes of the day day after day for years. By that point, you'd have to think, nothing's going to come of this, this is pointless. But still holding on that tiny sliver of hope. When one day, for just a few seconds, and then never again, you witness something extraordinary. Let's take a stroll, shall we? On August 15, 1977, astronomer Jerry Amon was reviewing data recorded by Ohio State University's Big Ear Radio Telescope when he saw something peculiar. So shocking, in fact, that he wrote down the word, wow, exclamation point, on the data records. Now, before we get into that, I think it's important to get a little bit of backstory. The device that Amon was using It's called a radio telescope. Now this particular radio telescope was specifically designated in 1973 to the sole purpose of attempting to find extraterrestrial intelligence through radio frequencies. It was and still is the longest running program of its kind in history. The device itself was very much based on findings in a 1959 paper where it speculated that Any extraterrestrial civilization attempting to communicate via radio signals would most likely do so at a frequency of 1420 megahertz. The reason for that is 1420 megahertz is the frequency naturally emitted by hydrogen. Megahertz, radio frequencies, I get it, it's all a bit confusing, but stay with me. The reason for choosing this frequency was that hydrogen is the most common element in the universe, and thus 
very likely to be known by a potential advanced civilization. Not only that, but the signal of 1420 MHz has since been banned for quite some time on Earth, as it is reserved specifically for non-terrestrial detection and research. Is that not crazy? Everyone on Earth came together and said, you can't broadcast anything at this frequency because science, not just science, but science very adjacent to potential alien life. I love that. So what was it on August 15th, 1977 that made Jerry Amon physically write the word wow to fully illustrate his astonishment? Well, first let's, let's be clear on what this device is detecting. Every 10 seconds, the radio telescope reports back numbers that represent the signal-to-noise ratio. Signal-to-noise ratio means how strong is the signal they're receiving compared to how much background noise is being received. The noise ratio is adjusted every few minutes to set an average noise level. So every few minutes, um, it will take the average of the sound that they've been getting for background noise and then they'll just set that as the zero bar at the bottom. So they're constantly keeping it up to date. So what happened on August 15th, 1977? Eamon was reviewing the computer's most recent findings from a particular location aimed near Sagittarius. He found something unusual, and for him, thrilling. Amongst the usual ones, zeros, and threes, which are the most common numbers he would get back, with the occasional six or seven that might pop up, there was suddenly a massive spike, the likes of which he had never seen. The results came back as 6EQUJ5 over a 72 second sequence. Now to be clear, these do not represent some sort of secret code or any sort of message received by anyone else. It's more easy to explain like this. The intensity is graded by a number, 1 through 9. Then if it's higher than those numbers, they use the alphabet, so A through Z, Z being the absolute highest. This frequency received reached the letter U, which, if you're keeping score at home, is the highest result one could receive besides V, W, X, Y, and Z, or Z for you other folks. The letter U is 30 standard deviations above background noise, which is the baseline. So for approximately 37 seconds, an extremely intense and strong signal made its way to Earth through this radio telescope that was absolutely unexplainable. Now why is it so unexplainable? Because the nearest star in the direction the telescope was facing was 220 light years away. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think Glorp's podcast on planet Aeon is going to reach that far. Definitely not with that much intensity. So what exactly was it? The department and many other departments tried to recapture this anomaly again, but it was impossible. Even with the exact same coordinates to aim the telescope, the cosmos is so vast, finding the exact location at the exact moment would be about as close to impossible as you can get. Numerous hypotheses have been proposed, but the best they can come up with is maybe an immense astronomical event. Only thing that could broadcast significant sound at that distance, but even that would be more intensity than anything they've ever known. Or the other option, an advanced alien civilization 
with an astonishingly large and powerful transmitter. Other thoughts have been proposed, but disregarded quickly due to science not supporting them, and sorry folks, I could read some of these hypotheses 47 times and still not come close to giving you all a satisfactory explanation of what it is they're actually suggesting happened. It's been 43 years, and we still have no idea what happened on August 15th, 1977. Seriously, the greatest minds on Earth just had to throw up their hands and say, I don't know. How wild is that? To think that there are still secrets out there that no one understands. Things waiting to be discovered, things that can explain these unsolvable phenomena. Realizations that could change everything. But until then, we wonder, we speculate, we let our minds wander, and every so often, something comes along that makes us say, wow. Hey, you're still here. I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning into episode one of the show. It really means a lot, and I love all of your support. Check me out on Twitter, at AnomalyPod. You can email me at anomalousfascination at gmail.com. And truly, I do always love input, thoughts, theories, or even topics that you would love to hear me cover. And one last thing about this case we've been discussing. In 2017, 40 years after the discovery of this sound, Antonio Paris, an adjunct professor of astronomy at St. Petersburg College, came up with a theory with his team on where he believes this sound came from. It is his belief that there were two comets, 266P slash Christensen and P-2008Y2. The names are unimportant. Basically, he's saying that he believes there were two comets passing around possibly that area at the time. And he believes that the gas let out by those comets may have caused the frequency. Now, admittedly, uh, he does confess that the signal that he received back was not nearly as strong as the one that they received. Uh, so even then, even if it was, even if it was that that exact comet, one of those exact comets went through the sky at that exact moment, it would still be unlikely that that was the cause. And Paris, honestly, Paris himself even says he doesn't know for sure, and that's good. I'm glad he admits that. His team, on the other hand, says, no, we think that's what happened. So just so you all know, if you ever look this up to search it, there are some that will claim that this was solved, that they figured it out. But not only was it not proven, but most importantly, the paper written by Paris about his team's observations and their ideas on the wow signal is not published in a single scientific journal. It only appears online via the Center of Planetary Science, a nonprofit organization of which Paris is the chief scientist. So, you decide. Was it a comet, or was it something else? <laughs>